0: Hello and welcome to the Level Up Podcast. I'm um, just going to start this out with like a little intro thing here. Um, Paul and I are doing a Metal Gear discussion and uh, we're splitting it up into several different parts. Right now in this one, we go off on a lot of tangents, but we talk about the early works of Metal Gear and Metal Gear Solid. So um, uh, check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, check us out on Facebook.com slash Level or you can check us out on tumblr at leveluppodcast.tumblr.com uh we're always looking for feedback and uh we want your opinion on the metal gear series so uh, let us know and let us know what you think of this podcast all right welcome to the um the level up podcast it's a uh, I don't know, we're going to call it Level Up Podcast for now, uh, some things might be in the works, but um, this is another like offhand podcast, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know how to describe this, you know, uh, Dom and I in the past, we did a podcast on Bioshock Infinite, a game that we really love, and uh, now I'm here with our good friend Paul, uh, who was on the last podcast, uh, Paul Farinasty, Farinelli, He's here with me today to talk about Metal Gear Solid. Paul, how are you today?
1: I'm really good. I had a great day. I was full of energy, and now it's raining, but other than that, it's great.
0: Yeah. If, uh, if for some reason you hear rain in the background or you hear like a little crackling, it's because we're recording this in my garage again, and uh, it is raining out, and this just so happens to be the only day that we can record this on. I'm moving my hands, but no one can see me move my hands. Very uh, animated. That's just how I get. Um... So yeah, we're going to talk about Metal Gear Solid today. Uh, Right now, we're only going to talk about Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3, because uh, I think we fear that this is going to be a long one. Um, So recently, uh, as you guys know, if you listen in regularly, I am a big fan of a podcast called The Gaming Cult Podcast, and they just recently did one on uh, the Zelda series, and I that got me in the mood to be like i want to do another like game specific podcast and what game do i know like i don't want to say i know this this game the best because i don't think i know it because when i play it i have the metal gear (laughs) wiki uh like up on me at all times so because of that i wanted to like you know sit down and discuss this and uh you know do you have the um can't be one-sided paul
1: yeah, uh, do you want me to say how I um got into the series? Um,
0: yeah, if you want to, you can uh, you can discuss a little bit about uh,
1: you know how you got into the series. We'll uh, we'll both go into that. Okay. Um, I was introduced to the games pretty much around like almost exactly when Metal Gear Solid Three came out, actually in two thousand and four, and that was only because I had a friend who lived in Moravia, whose house I would go to every once in a while and just he so happened once to have Metal Gear Solid 3 and... I was into video games, but I was like... I only liked very specific games. I really liked Pokemon. I really liked, um... In fact, I don't... No, I had a PS2. I don't know what I had for it, but I wasn't really that into games actually, other than like a select few. And I think Metal Gear Solid 3 was sort of what got me into gaming at large. in a much broader sense. Um, I remember it was actually the first game like that with, like, a 3D camera... Not the first, but one of the first games with, like, a 3D camera that I really, like... played, and... I don't know. Like, I remember I was... It's so weird to talk about this because I feel like I've been playing games a lot longer than this. Like, I had played Sega Genesis, etc. But this was... the first, like, modern at the time game that I was really devoting any time to. And it was really weird like it was I remember it being so hard and like I didn't and those games like uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 especially has uh some of the most obtuse controls in the series even yeah so I, that was a really weird game to like kind of introduce me to the PS2
0: I think that's uh that'll definitely be something that we we get into when, once we get to Metal Gear Solid 3 um I actually this is a really really weird memory and you're gonna think I'm such a creep <laughs> Paul and I went to college together for a little bit and we didn't talk all that often. Um, actually, you know what? I'm gonna call Paul uh, on something right now. He probably doesn't remember. I probably don't. But, but I'll be embarrassed. This was this is one of my favorite memories of Paul. Um, you came to my grad party.
1: I remember this. I think
0: I like I tell you this any every, moment I get. <laughs> every once in a while, you remind me. Paul came to my grad party. Uh, it was right after high school. And uh, Paul showed up to my grad party and didn't say a word to me. He didn't speak to me. He ate the food that uh, we had for my grad party, and I said, "Oh, hey, look, it's Paul," and I waved to you, and you couldn't even like (laughs) say anything to me. You kept eating, and then as soon as you were done eating, (laughs) you
1: left. I I barely remember that. It seems so weird now. Like I'm like so embarrassed that that somehow was what happened. (laughs) That (laughs) I don't know why. That makes me
0: laugh. All the time, because that was... I tell Dom this all the time. That is something that I think about all the time. And whenever I tell Dom, it, or tell Dom about it, I'm like, that's the reason why I want to hang out with Paul. Because he showed up to my grad party, ate food, didn't speak to me, and <laughs> left. Such an enigma. But uh, one of my first introductions to Metal Gear Solid uh, as a whole... It actually was the PlayStation magazine? I think it was PSM. Uh, yeah, at the time. It was the big E3 issue, and on the cover was, uh, as we know, Big Boss now. Uh, I still have that issue. Yeah. I'm so happy that I kept it. Is that
1: for Metal Gear Solid 3? Yeah, Metal oh, Gear Solid okay. 3.
0: But uh, one of the things that always interested me in the series was uh, the school you and I went to. I saw you sitting in the cafeteria... And I saw you reading something Or watching something on Metal Gear Solid 4
1: Yeah And
0: I was like oh like I guess I didn't realize people were into the series All that much
1: Like they were big fans of it or anything Yeah
0: and then uh, I didn't get into it for another three years (laughs) I'm actually pretty new To the whole Metal Gear series
1: Um, Yeah I I gathered That you recently got the HD collection And all that and then hunted down all the games The
0: HD collection is what made me get into it um there's a great uh internet persona uh i don't know if you want to call them persona like a persona or anything but uh they make awesome videos i'm you know who they are mega 64 they um they did a commercial for the hd collection and i always like highly respected their opinion on gaming and to hear one of them talk so much about Metal Gear Solid I was like you know what I'm finally going to check this out and I got the HD collection and I absolutely fell in love with the game uh, I started with Metal Gear Solid 2 uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 is such a strange game to start the series out yeah. on um, I would
1: say just to interject I would say that and Metal Gear Solid 4 are probably the two worst to, not, not worst. that's a for lack of a better term, worse to start with, just because they're the hardest... They're, like, the most obtuse to understand at first, like, because they're so connected to what came before, and...
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And I had always heard that the Metal Gear Solid series had a really, really strange storyline, and when I played Metal Gear Solid 2, it was very, like, no, this is pretty straightforward. I don't understand why people think this is so strange... And then you get to the end of Metal Gear Solid Two. I mean, which we'll get into a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. It's definitely got a, a strange storyline and like really, really obscure story elements to it. I yeah, think. Pretty
1: subversive storyline, especially that game. But um,
0: anytime I talk to you is pretty much like it's pretty much about Metal Gear. I mean, there are other things that we talk about, but yeah. the conversation will normally lead into metal gear solid yeah it's pretty easy for it Um, to head that way and then it ends up paul and i have been working on this podcast for or like this whole thing has been in the works for maybe what three four weeks at this point we've been trying and just hasn't like we just haven't had the time to sit down and talk about this and we'll get on facebook or we'll get on like whatever chat and we'll we'll talk and we'll be like oh, yeah, 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 this about Metal Gear Solid, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 well, wait. After, like, an hour of talking about it online, no, 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 wait, we'll talk about this on the podcast. And uh, we just, finally, we're sitting down to do this, and this is technically only part one, um, if not part three, uh, or, uh, like, however many parts this takes. Um,
1: It'll be a trilogy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, just kind of coming off of, like, how into these games we are, uh, like, you kind of touched on it a little
1: earlier. What did these games mean to you? I would say, up front, at the time when I was really into them, when I was, like, 14 to 16, like, and actually all the hype leading up to Metal Gear Solid 4's release, um, I was too into them like decidedly too into them like I had so much invested in the story and I thought like the underlying themes and the message was like ultimately going to be like the answer to life not really but you know (laughs) what I mean like yeah 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 no it's on a subconscious level I really thought like when Metal Gear Solid 4 comes out it's the end of the series i'm gonna know what life's all about i'm gonna know what to do yeah because it had that effect i mean and now i feel completely stupid for being that wrapped up into it i'm much more mature now i would say but i think it does say something about the games that you can be that wrapped up in
0: yeah especially like you were a you were a teenager when you were into them so it's like yeah i don't know you have that thing that you're like latched onto. so it's it's huge and then Four was built up to be the ending of the entire series, and hold off. Cause oh, no, I wasn't. I can, no, no, no. I can see it. <laughs> I can see it in you. Uh, we're saving four for another discussion. Um, Paul has some words for Metal Gear Solid Four. Um, pretty much have like clashing opinions, so I'm excited to get to that.
1: Um, yeah, it should be interesting to say the least.
0: But. Uh, I don't really know how to answer what, like that question, like what these games mean to me, because it seriously, I I picked it up with the HD collection and I I played two and I was like, wow, you know, that was a really good game. Uh, I'm really excited to play three at this point, and I didn't know anything about the story for Snake Eater, and I well, you know, when I got into it. I never understood why people thought that that was like one of the best games ever made, until I got to like the very end of the game where I was like, "Wow!" Like completely blown away. That's the ending of Metal Gear Solid Three, was the reason why I love these games so. Yeah, much. the ending
1: that is probably the best ending in the games. Um,
0: that like. In the series. But these games, like as a like a whole, just like totally changed the way i looked at them and or looked at gaming in general because they just they they completely like changed everything about video games that i knew uh my second favorite series of all time is bioshock so like that game changed what i knew about video games when i played the original bioshock yeah so playing almost like like Almost a 10-year-old game. No, it's it's 10 years old this year, is it not?
1: Which game? Metal Gear Metal Solid 3? 3. It'll be 10 years old uh, next year. Came next out year? In 4. 2004. 2004? Okay, so an
0: almost 10-year-old game.
1: Yeah, that's uh, Like,
0: definitely changed the way I looked at games, that's even so though I played it like two years ago. Um, so these games definitely mean a lot to me. Like, story-wise, gameplay-wise, and yeah, just... Um, everything in general.
1: If I could interject, I guess, like, two of the things, the most, I guess, paramount reasons that these games have, um, especially when I was younger, meant a lot to me, is, I guess, mechanically, like, gameplay-wise, they really tap into kind of the same way fighting games do, um, like this OCD quality of mine, where, like, and stealth games in general do this, where, I guess in, in it if you're going to frame it in a negative way they're about trial and error but I really love that feeling of for me like when I play these games like I'm playing through Metal Gear Solid 3 right now i started on European extreme and I Oh god uh, that's that's what poor, I love though like
0: masochists not really
1: <laughs> in that game I think it's pretty easy actually
0: Okay well we'll we'll get to that but we'll get you, to the gameplay and the difficulty well, just to,
1: yeah I won't I won't uh, delve too much into that but just to get into what they I guess to hone in on what they mean to me Like, they just... The stealth gameplay sort of just taps into this OCD, like... um, Hunger to perfect something. Like, I like going through stages and trying to just, like, sort of... Approach the situation in, like, the perfect, like most ideal way. And I'll start over and over, and I don't even find that tedious somehow. Well, I do nowadays, I'm a little older, so I don't have all the time in the world. But anyway, and, um the other i would say what makes them more like important to me meaningful to me is just the underlying thematic qualities just the um overall message like that's about the tragedy sort of of war and yeah
0: it's one thing that always like when I was a kid, I never really cared for like war games. I never liked Medal of Honor, I never liked Call of Duty, yeah. Anything like that. So when Metal Gear Solid was coming out and I had that E3 issue of uh, PlayStation magazine and I see this guy wearing camo on the cover, yeah. I'm like, "Oh, looks, I don't give a shit. It looks because like a it's another military stupid territory. war game." And uh finally playing i realize that they
1: are so (laughs) they're very subversive like they are kind of like a complete kind of the way the bioshock games are kind of a um dismantling of a lot of video game tropes they're yeah like it's they dismantle the first person shooter for bioshock and now with metal gear solid they dismantle sort of like the action hero um like glorification Movies that glorify war tropes, I yeah. suppose. That was a horrible way it's, to put that. But. There's a
0: quote from Peace Walker that I always liked. And it's like, uh, forgive me if I get this wrong. Maybe you can correct me. I'm, I might but, not uh, remember. I only
1: played through once. It's,
0: for us, there is no victory, even if we win. I know that's not the direct quote. but uh, I know it, yeah. It's towards I can't the end of the, the game. Yeah, I can't think of the exact quote. But... I, like, as soon as I heard that, it's like, oh, like, that is, like, the overall message behind these games. These people are doing the things that they do because they have to.
1: Well, it's ultimately a lot about. Not to get too heady with the themes, but it's a lot about how war turns people into commodities, how. I guess just how. The tragic way, like, manner in which it sort of just permeates everything and how when you have a look at things in a broader scale a lot of it really doesn't matter and it's people fighting over lines and stuff like that and this is this is all almost it's kind of funny because this is all the type of like these themes are pretty easy to miss like a lot of critics like a lot of men like the gaming community at large tends to almost miss these things because it's easy to get caught up in the weirdness of the games and the fact that there's like a a psychic a vampire uh just the convoluted nature of the actual plots but i feel like that's one thing that consistently kind of disappoints me that that not that they're perfect in this way but that um i don't know the games aren't more often referenced as like
0: like the, exam- their, their overall theme
1: yeah as an example also of games being able to carry a message or be um art as yeah it were.
0: that's uh definitely like i didn't i didn't really think about the themes of the games until just recently like when kojima was like trying to get people to guess what the theme of metal gear solid 5 was yeah and he like laid out like what the theme of each game was, and that, like going through that, I was just like, oh, I never really thought of that. Oh wow, this this makes that like sound like better. Like it just makes the the overall game better now that I like know the yeah. exact theme,
1: and, and it sort of makes everything more cohesive.
0: Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Um, so let's move right into uh, Metal Gear Solid One. Unless you have anything else to add. No. But Actually, not... um, what is your favorite game of the entire series? Because um, I know on the last podcast we did, you talked about your favorite games, and you said that some, like you couldn't decide right off the bat. You said either one of the first three games.
1: Um, I felt differently about this at different points. I would say, if you like put a gun in my head and forced me to choose, <laughs> like right now, it's I would probably a little probably, Yeah. <laughs> I would, I, would, I would probably say Metal Gear Solid 2. 2? Yeah. That's uh I've never heard, but, I've no, never no.
0: honestly heard someone say that Metal Gear Solid 2 was their favorite. There game. are a lot
1: of, like just to interject, I used to when I was super into the games. I'm still obviously quite into them. I'm on a Metal Gear podcast right now. Yeah. <laughs> but when I was like lived and breathed them, I was I would frequent like a couple of forums. Um it's kind of weird like the Hardcore Metal Gear community, Metal Gear Solid 2 was actually like usually heralded as like the best. Just like, oh, everyone doesn't get it. Like it was like the black sheep that everyone loved.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm, well, uh, I want to say so much about Metal Gear Solid 2 because I just recently played it, but, uh, we'll save it. If I had to pick a favorite, oh boy, Metal Gear Solid 2 is up there. But I'd honestly have to say Snake Eater, uh, I could it's see just, why I mean it, it's hard mostly to for it's me. because like Snake Eater, Metal Gear Solid Three. If you don't know, if you don't know, I don't know why you're listening
1: to this. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot. But you um, have to catch up on if you're listening to this and don't know that.
0: With Metal Gear Solid Three, it, like I said earlier, it just changed everything I knew about video games and completely yeah. changed the way I felt about video games.
1: And I'm tempted to choose that too because actually, that's the one I started with. As I said, yeah. Uh, but, which is
0: kind of funny, because Metal Gear Solid 3 is technically the first in the series. Yeah, so
1: it, I would say that's probably the best. I, if I were to recommend someone get into the series, I would almost say, not only because it's chronological, I mean, the first chronologically, but also because it's the most self-contained story. Like, you could enjoy that. I know people who don't even play or like the other games who, who have said, I like Metal Gear Solid 3, because you can enjoy it on its own merits the most, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um. I, if I had to recommend
0: the like the game to start out with, I'd honestly, and this is just me, I would honestly recommend uh, Metal Gear for the NES. No, yeah. I don't know why anyone would recommend
1: that game. Not for uh, the NES, but for the MSX2, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The MSX version. Although, er- really... To be honest, i played both those games, and I would almost recommend they just read the cliff notes of what happens in Metal Gear 1, and Definitely. then play Metal Gear 2, though. That actually, I would say... I think those a dating... games are really hard to, like, get into in general. Yeah. Metal Gear 2, I will say, it's equally dated, obviously, in terms of its mechanics, but it's a little more engaging on that level, and also the writing and the story is a lot more f- fleshed out. Like I don't know if you've played that game, but you'd probably be surprised. It's on par with like Metal Gear Solid 1. Really, in terms of,
0: I've only played a little bit of it. I can't get past the text. Really? Like the, that annoying noise that plays every time like a text is on the
1: screen. Yeah.
0: And if you know Metal Gear in there's general, a there's a lot of like dialogue and a lot of text Substantially less in that
1: game though, probably. Really? Just due mem- yeah, due to memory constraints. I mean, I remember playing through it and there definitely wasn't as like there were no like fifteen minute codec conversation.
0: But I would honestly recommend playing Metal Gear Solid One. Oh yeah. uh, Um, these games definitely are like one thing and I think this gets, maybe it's not but for me definitely because I didn't play Metal Gear Solid 1 until after I beat Metal Gear Solid 4 but those games are hands down about the progression of gameplay for me so when you play Metal Gear Solid 1 and you feel how clunky and dated it feels and then you go for Metal Gear Solid 2 and it's like oh you know they fixed this, cool and then you go to Metal Gear Solid 3 and it's like oh they fixed that and everything's different and then when you get to Metal Gear Solid 4 it's like
1: a modern action game yeah but with one thing I've always loved about the games and obviously the older ones aren't as impressive in this way but they've always given you like for console games like an astounding I think amount of control or it feels Definitely. like control because like as obtuse as the controls can be and I keep using that word. gotta find another one but uh um as complicated or like Unintuitive as the controls are accused of being, they allow for, on a console at least, like, an insane level of control and precision. Like, I don't know, once you tune into them, those games are really fun mechanically.
0: Definitely. I actually have a hard time picking up, like, other, like, third-person games yeah. after I've played them because, like, those controls just feel so, like, uh, like, so finely tuned and tight that yeah.
1: well we'll get to this when we talk about Metal Gear Solid 3 but I actually that's the game where I make the exception for that oh okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, we definitely clash on that then.
1: but uh, let's get into
0: Metal Gear Solid 1 uh, there's actually two versions of this game I don't think a lot of people know that um, maybe they do I mean if you're listening to this it's probably because you like Metal Gear so you, chances yeah, are I think if hope. if you're into Metal Gear um, I don't think there is like a I don't think there's a medium with this series i think it's you love it or you or you just hate it completely. or you've played metal gear solid 3 and you like that but it's on or metal gear like metal Solid. 2. i would
1: say metal Gear solid 1 and 3 are the two that like non-fans yeah so like
0: when you like when you really get into the story it's to me it's like it's heavy yeah you you know no. about this but um so there's two versions of metal gear solid one um there's Metal Gear Solid 1 for the PlayStation 1, and then there's Metal Gear Solid, the Twin Snakes for the GameCube. Um, and actually,
1: just to show off just how knowledgeable I totally am, there's Paul actually Metal the Gear Solid. Walking, the,
0: the walking Metal Gear Solid Wikipedia
1: page. There's so. a game called Metal Gear Solid for the Game Boy Color, but it's oh, not... Oh, it's called Ghost ba- or yeah, Babel, or well, Babel, Yeah, it was called Metal Gear Solid in America, because they thought it would market it better, but it's called Ghost Babel, like... That's the original Actual name Oh okay And it's just a side It's like Um The story takes place As if Metal Gear Solid 1 Didn't happen Um Right after Metal Gear 1 And actually It's almost as if An ultimate An ultimate ending Had happened Because at the end Of Metal Gear 1 Big Boss is back In Metal Gear 2 Yeah And at the end Of Metal Gear 1 You think you've killed him But it's after the credits That he has some spiel About how he's actually alive And I'm coming back for you And it's Doesn't
0: doesn't snake kill him snake in, kills big boss in the end of metal gear solid 2
1: or metal gear 2 yeah in metal gear 2 he um lights him on fire with like a makeshift flamethrower but, some
0: of the character deaths in this entire series yeah, is just ridiculous to lots me. Of people
1: get set on fire yeah but um, or
0: lose an eye or lose an arm um something
1: along <laughs> those lines it's brutal man um but um that Ghost Babel just to quickly finish my thought. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It takes place in basically an alternate timeline where there was no post-credit sequence. Big Boss actually did die, and then um, it's basically an alternate, an alternate Metal Gear Solid One. And there's, it's a whole different story. I forget most of it. Um, there's some really cool boss characters that I wish they would take back. Like, I wish they would kind of implement them in maybe even. Metal Gear Solid Five.
0: For those that don't know, uh, this is a Game Boy Color game. Yes, I've read reviews for this game, and I'm trying to track down a copy it's of really it. Really cool. My uh, like for myself, I, the reviews for it are always ten out of ten. It and was impressive at the
1: time. I did for a
0: Game Boy Color game to get a ten out of ten is pretty astounding yeah. to me. So. I'm trying to, th- to like to track down a copy for a decent price. Yeah. But so far, I'm seeing a Game Boy Color game go for like thirty dollars, and that's you can really, it. really hard for me to like. Well, yeah, I emulating is it, like different. Not, like you don't get. I don't think you get that canon, same feel.
1: <laughs> you don't need to. Oh well, yeah, I would want to own it too. But
0: yeah, I, Snakes Revenge isn't canon, but I own that.
1: <laughs> I'm not that devoted. I. I am. Well, I'm not that. much of a completionist with my collection of the games, I suppose, would be the way I'd put that.
0: Yeah, well, to, like, go on, like, a little tangent here, for, like, the Metal Gear series, when I played the HD collection, it was, like, this is going to be a problem, because now I own... You don't have MDS1.
1: No, 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 I do. Oh, no, I mean, at the time, you didn't. Oh,
0: I didn't, but I went to a thrift store, and I found a copy of it for $6. It didn't come with a booklet, and it was the Greatest Hits case. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, you know, I just want to play it, whatever. I beat that game, and after I beat Metal Gear Solid 1, I was like, uh, this is definitely a problem because I went out and I tracked down a copy of Metal Gear Solid 1 for the PlayStation 1 again with the black casing, and oh. it had to have the booklet in it. And I found one for $10 at a store in Bowling Green, Ohio called uh, uh, CNC Games. It was in the case. It was $10. And it even had, like, the Konami fan club postcard wow. in it.
1: I don't got that. Oh, I do. I've got that Konami postcard. <laughs> I have um, the original Metal Gear Solid 1 with the case and everything, but not the postcard. <laughs>
0: no, I, like, I made sure, like, I tracked down, like, a, like, a, like not a pristine copy, but, like, a copy in really good a condition. complete copy. And, uh, I have Metal Gear Solid 2. I have Metal Gear Solid 2. Substance. Um, substance. Is it Substance or Sub- Substance?
1: Substance. Substance. Metal Gear Solid 3: Subsistence is the up. Oh, okay. To that
0: one, um, I have Metal Gear Solid 3. I have Metal Gear Solid: uh, Subsistence. Uh, those are for the PS2. I also have a copy of Metal Gear Solid 2: uh, Substance for the, <laughs> the Xbox, I don't the have HD that. Collection, um, and I'm working on getting Metal Gear Solid 4 for the PlayStation 3. Even though I don't own a
1: PlayStation 3, you should get a PS3. Yeah, I At want some one. Point.
0: Trust me. Um, but anyways, Metal Gear Solid One. Fucked I up. own a copy of uh, the Twin Snakes, even though like it has been like known to like not be the best. Yeah. But I know it's like pretty it's, well sought after. I would
1: actually like to play it. I want so like to get. I want to borrow it from me sometime maybe. Sit down and play it at some point. So uh I mean, it's, even that is an interesting game. It's worth. Playing, yeah, sure. uh, I haven't played it, but I'm sure it's. Weird. Well,
0: it's like we're in this topic right now, so we'll definitely talk about like the gameplay because you know what the gameplay is. Yes, yeah, so it, right? it's, okay. um So, yeah, Metal yeah, Gear Solid One. one um, do you want to talk a little bit about the story? Do you know the story well enough to? Like, oh yeah, I definitely okay. know the story. You should. Um, You're the Wikipedia page.
1: Just a little hard to get in my thoughts. Okay. Um. Well. What do you want me to do? Give sort of a synopsis. Yeah, kind of like a little synopsis. Um i guess i'll just set explain the setup um not really the ending i'm not gonna that's fine yeah uh, summarize the whole story but it's a sequel to metal gear 2 um snake after having in metal gear 1 and 2 they basically dealt with him having to um kill his former commander big boss who was the leader of Foxhound unit, yep. who rebe- rebelled against America and created Outer Heaven, which is like a, um, it's ubiquitous throughout the series, it's like a prevailing, sort of looming theme throughout the series, Outer Heaven is the idea of a nation by and for soldiers, um, and the only, its only purpose is to make war, um. It's so pretty much big shell...
0: Yes From Peace Walker But it's different
1: But it's pretty much Yes Well it's It's more of a concept really Even than a place Because it shows up And the idea And numerous characters Want to resurrect it And I'm kind of getting Too much into the overarching story here But I suppose it's necessary (laughs) Just to set things up But um It's sort of A response to what Um Big Boss Who's At that Point in the series um, pretty much wholly represented as the villain of the series he's not given much of a sympath- sympathetic angle even though he does have his reasons you're, you're like in Metal Gear 2 especially they give him his own monologues where he sort of goes into you mean
0: oh in Metal, Metal Gear, Gear 2, 2 yep.
1: okay um, where he goes into he explains his rationale and it's somewhat understandable but ultimately he's a villain so we haven't gotten the prequels yet where we sort of yeah. get to know him and why everything happened the way it did for him. That's something that
0: I always loved about the series, that like no one is a, a no one is the good guy in yeah. the series. There's no like there's a lot there's of there's no gray protagonist. Area. Everyone is an antihero and there's anti heroes and then there's antagonists. Yeah, and
1: everyone has done awful things. <laughs> yeah. So like um, in
0: each boss fight you always like there's all especially like in Metal Gear Solid three there's always a setup, and there's always like an explanation as to why they are on the opposing team, and you do feel sympathy for them in some way or another, or
1: you at least understand. Yeah,
0: you understand where they're coming from, uh, as well
1: as, and that's the obviously anti-hero. a very Eastern perspective, just because that's a prevailing sentiment throughout all a lot of japanese um, yeah these games are very very
0: japanese like japanese like
1: well yeah just what i'm getting at is this that after world war ii especially like japanese media has been uh permeated by that theme of like the relative the relativism of what an enemy really is because obviously they were hit harder than anyone else with the realities of conflict but anyway um <laughs> metal gear solid one go yeah. boom <laughs> after snake has killed big boss taking care of that um he's gone into retirement it's i actually don't remember how many years later it's 2005 i know that's when the game takes place yeah and uh, um,
0: i think if i recall correctly though metal gear solid one took place in 1993 you mean metal gear two metal gear Metal one. Gear 1 took place in 93. Yeah, Metal I Gear actually Metal Gear 2, don't I think, 95.
1: I think you might be right.
0: I'm almost certain. Yeah. I don't want to, like, stop everything and, like, look it up, but we'll go from there. So, okay. Metal Gear Solid 90s, 1.
1: Yes, that was... It, it takes place in 2000, 2005, and Snake has been pulled out of retirement, basically. He's been holed up in Alaska drinking too much, as he says at one point in the game. And uh, he's pulled out of retirement by his former... Um, Colonel, Colonel Campbell, to. Uh, <laughs> Do you know his codec, Paul? Do you know
0: the colonel's codec number? Is it? It's one four zero something. It's not. I want to say
1: point eighty five.
0: Yeah, you might be right. I, I mean, I don't I'm know.
1: Right. So. Although a uh, part of me hopes I'm not, because it might prove that I'm <laughs> less pathetic. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um. Aww. Anyway, then. He's called out of reti- okay I already said that he's called out of retirement to go and infiltrate um, shadow Moses it's a military base in Alaska that's been taken over by his former unit Foxhound now led by liquid snake um, a ter- and it's gone rogue the unit they're terrorists now they've um, captured what they claim to have Nuclear weapons, it turns out to be Metal Gear, the titular Metal Gear, which is a bipedal tank, if anyone doesn't know, I don't know how you <laughs> wouldn't, that can shoot mil- missile. eh, nuclear missiles from anywhere, any terrain is the idea, anyway, they've captured Metal Gear and they're um, threatening to launch a nuclear weapon, and he has to infiltrate Shadow Moses to deal with all that, that's pretty much the setup. Yeah, th- that's and I spent way too long on no, it no, no, as no. is. That's
0: fine. That's totally fine. Um, now, what are like what are some elements about Metal Gear Solid One that you like the most, story wise? Because we'll get into the gameplay and I would say
1: else. two things, and they're twofold: the mm-hmm. atmosphere, and this sounds weird, but the color scheme.
0: Yeah, totally. The it color has scheme. The
1: co- I- all the games kind of have a prevailing color scheme that you remember, like Metal Gear Solid 1 is blue and gray, Metal Gear Solid 2 is orange and blue, mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid 3 is green and brown, mainly. Um, I don't
0: remember what the color scheme was for 4.
1: See that- Was it red and
0: black? Because that, those are the colors those are the,
1: Those were the colors of the uh, logo, like the font of the title. Yeah. But I would say it doesn't really have like an overarching color scheme where it doesn't seem- I don't- I don't really, it doesn't have, like, a presence in my mind in that way, either. So I would agree with you. But,
0: um, so you said the color scheme and something else? Just the atmosphere. In Arkansas 1, I
1: easily had the best atmosphere of the series, I would say. Just, I don't know, the manner in which a game on the PS1 really captured the feeling of being out in the tundra, (laughs)
0: Yeah, um, going on the atmosphere, like, it always, like... It always creeped me out, in a sense, especially, like, with the music, when you especially yeah. especially when you get towards, like, the Psycho Mantis uh, boss fight, because it just, like, um, you know, the music stops, but once you get closer, you start to hear the Psycho Mantis theme, and that yes. was always super creepy to me. Um, like, story-wise, like, some of my favorite moments, like, some of my favorite things about the story, um... Was just being able to, like, because I didn't play it until just recently, like I said, but being able to play a PlayStation 1 game and care, like, about the yes. story and, it's so, and all
1: that. I think that's one of the only PS1 games I've played besides, um...
0: Ape Escape? That's your, that's did, your other favorite no. series, right?
1: No, not at all. Okay, the oh, only Ape Escape oh. I played was the, um, Ape Escape minigame in Metal Gear Solid 3.
0: Holy shit. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That was Uh, fun. That's uh we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um there's so many like Easter eggs and shit. Yeah, way too much to get to. But um Alright, so like like we said or like I said, this is just my opinion pretty much, but uh the gameplay for Metal Gear Solid One, uh I s is I think what really sells like the story. Uh if that makes sense, because, like, you're supposed to be this character who is nearly, like... He's, like, it's it's crazy how perfect he is at, like, sneaking around and how he doesn't, like, get Yeah, but caught. he's, like, the
1: ideal soldier.
0: Yeah. So, once you play the game and, like... For PlayStation 1, I always tell people this when I recommend them to play the first game, that... They have to play in the mindset of this is a PlayStation One game. Sneaking around on a PlayStation One with that uh, I it's I so, played it with the analog stick, but I know it didn't come out like in yeah, it's pretty
1: much like eight direction control. Yeah, um, not analog movement.
0: I think those controls are like pretty well put together for a PlayStation yeah. One game, but uh, the story, uh, I think one thing that really sold me on. The story, like one thing that like actually made me like want to get more into it, was the like this kind of is like not a spoiler, but like it 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 definitely comes towards the end. Um, The ending of the game where you get to like you kill Liquid, and you kind of discuss the idea that. You know, liquid is the inferior twin, and you're, you're like, you're the superior twin. But then, like after you kill liquid, you pretty much find out that solid is the inferior twin, and liquid yeah. was the superior twin. on.
1: Um, he had just been told his whole life that he was yeah inferior.
0: It's just that uh, he, solid was favored more than liquid, and uh, pretty much why they went rogue in in some way or another and it just after you find that out and you like replay it and it's like oh like all of these other things like the story kind of like falls into place and I also had played the the earlier games first so I played yeah. 1, 2, and or 1 sorry excuse me 2, 3, and 4 and then to go back to 1 it was like oh like yeah that, that's why this in Metal Gear Solid 4 makes sense and that's why this in Metal Gear Solid 2 makes sense and It was, uh, I don't know. I kind of wish I, like, didn't know anything about the other games before I played the first one. But maybe if I did, or maybe if I didn't know anything, I wouldn't have, like, enjoyed it or, like, respected it as much as I do now. But, um, I can see that. Kind of, like, keeping with the whole story, what are some of your favorite boss fights in the game? Because there's only a couple. But um,
1: I remember my. Th- I really enjoyed the the rave, uh, um, Vulcan Raven boss fight.
0: Which one? The first one or the second one? There's um, two fights.
1: I know there's two fights. Isn't there? They're both. I feel like an idiot, but I have not played that game in it's probably all right. the longest of all of them. Um, there's. I know there's two. Is I know one of them. He's in the tank. Yes. Okay. And the other well, the I mean the one, one where, you're in, mid, like, the where you're where you're fighting him. I usually consider that like the tank one, even though you are fighting Vulcan okay. Raven. So uh, that's why that confused me for a second. So the
0: second fight, the one where yeah, you're it's the like one he's where got, you're uh, in the uh the flamethrower or whatever. Freezer and he has
1: the um some the Vulcan machine gun.
0: Oh yeah, 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 that's what it is. I don't know. that I just thought of like how big the thing was for some reason. Yeah. That's why I pictured it as a it's sort of uh, reminiscent flamethrower.
1: Also, probably because the Fury's boss fight and his boss fight are pretty similar design-wise.
0: Oh yeah, that's in uh, Metal Gear Solid Three. But um, I think I'm going to be a little cliche on this and say that my favorite boss fight is um, actually, you know what? It's a toss-up. Uh, the Cyber Ninja and uh, Psychomantis. I. Yeah. You cannot go wrong with Psychomantis. I would agree. Uh Psychomantis, especially that boss fight really really tapped into how the system itself worked.
1: Uh, and it really kind of immediately showed you what Hideo Kojima was about. It's just like you think this is some straight up um, military game. Military like mo- like at the time, modern action game, all gruff, and takes itself seriously 100% into its own reality, believability, mm-hmm. and then here he is talking about the memory card, and, well, not only that, he's a psychic to begin with, and, yeah, so that kind of was almost like your initiation into, if you hadn't, obviously, and most people hadn't understandably played the first two Metal Gear games, it's like, oh, this is not your average action game. Yeah. Um, There's some stuff going on. Here. I
0: remember, like, I had always heard about the Psycho Mantis fight, and I had played Metal Gear Solid 4 beforehand, so it kind of touches on it a little bit, and I yeah. like, I read like the cliff notes for the first game before I played 4, but, um, pretty much, like, getting to that fight, and you know, Psycho Mantis being like, put your controller on the floor, and I will move it with my mind, and, uh, and, like, just, you know, the controller vibrating like hell and, and, like, moving. It's like, man, if I was a kid in 1998 and I played this game, I'd be like... Blow your fucking How mind. did he fucking do that? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and, you know, just, like, what are some of the games... Uh, I know Symphony of the Night. If you played that Castlevania game, um, he would, like call you out on yeah, saying, no, you blink, like Castlevania. I'm blinking
1: on the other ones, I know there were others. There's
0: two more. I don't remember what the other two were, but I know
1: Castlevania was, like, the main one. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was the most prominent one, like, the one that most people probably had yeah. played. Yeah. Um,
0: that and my first time playing it through, I didn't know how to fight Psycho Yeah, that was crazy. So... I think I died about eight times before. I lost a lot when I was first playing it. Yeah, I, I think I died at least eight times before I got the call from the colonel, where he was like, "Snake,
1: uh, what's he say? Snake." You have to put your controller into port two. There's like, probably some element of focus testing with that. Like, there, after a certain point, they probably just realized, okay, these fucking idiots are gonna figure it out. Yeah.
0: Um, if you actually, if you can't put your controller into port two, if for whatever reason your PlayStation's like port two was broken, there is a way to fight him without putting your controller in port two. Yeah. I can't remember what it is off the top of my at the top of my head, but I, I read about it the some... other day
1: switching your... I gonna say switching your memory card over.
0: No, it, it definitely has something to do with the controller itself. Um, you have to have, like, something... Oh, you shoot the statues. If you shoot the statues for whatever reason. I could be totally wrong.
1: I don't... I could be making this up. But, I've never heard of that, so, so I, that's just my... Okay, okay. I'm okay. not sure. I'm, I'm going to look it up afterwards. Right. I'm going to look
0: it up afterwards, and uh, I'm not going to put this in. I'll admit to being wrong, so... Okay. Um,
1: we'll see. I'm totally open to you okay. being
0: right. Um, so the whole Psychomantis boss fight was was crazy. Do you... I can't... I'm trying to think of the boss fights off the top of my
1: head, but like um, in, in order. First was Vulcan, Raven, and the tank second was Psycho Mantis. no second nope first was Ocelot yeah which Ocelot. actually was not a very good I don't think ever. no I. that's a it wasn't I, memorable like that's why I almost forgot it <laughs> um awesome character, great introduction to that character, but the boss fight itself mechanically it wasn't that engaging, it was just yeah. chase him around, it really was There's actually kind of shocking how... a
0: super easy way you can take him yeah. out, it's just with C4. That but. too,
1: but also in the Twin Snakes it's laughable how, like they added in, to talk about the Twin Snakes just for a bit, um, they pretty much did not redesign that game, other than adding in all of the actions you could perform in the saw too, 2, and they didn't, realize in doing that that they broke the game because like like, his boss fight you can just stand in one corner of the room go in first person mode and shoot him in the head oh because there's nothing stopping you
0: well I guess that makes that boss fight a little bit easier yeah it
1: makes a lot of the game easier uh, because the game wasn't designed to have you shooting in first person or aiming
0: yeah that game um or not that game that boss fight is definitely my least favorite because I just aiming on a PlayStation 1 game it has that like aiming from
1: like Resident Evil. Well it just locks on I, I, I wouldn't say.
0: Yeah I mean like it locks on but like when he's moving like you're yeah, still like trying to follow him. It, uh, it just kind of
1: sucked. I know you can like bounce the bullets off the wall. and you know, No I don't think you know but you can shoot through the wires but that's really. the You don't want to bet on that because you can't aim, and you might hit the wire and blow everything up. Yeah, I've
0: several, (laughs) several times. Every actually, every time I play that game, that always happens. (laughs) But uh, I normally try to take him out with C4. What I love that if you take him out with C4, you trigger uh, an extra cutscene. It's like uh, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he calls you out on being awful. Like resorting more, to that. Yeah, of it's using, like I thought this was
1: going to be more challenging. Instead of straight up fighting them.
0: Yeah, that's something that I always liked. Um, there's actually something about that whole thing that I don't like in the game overall, and that has to do with the ending. But I'll uh, we'll go down the boss fights oh. a little bit more. Um, so then there's, there's Vulcan Raven and the Tank. And that Psycho one Randus. is the Vulcan Raven fight is super easy you just have grenades
1: yeah uh, if you don't have grenades you have no fucking idea what to do although yeah. i know that grenades spawn i'm sure
0: yeah there's grenades out there there's actually like a
1: little spot where they do spawn and you kind of like, just use chaff grenades actually and uh, shoot the guy in the turret oh really yeah
0: i never even thought to do that
1: oh that's I tried more to shoot complicated him. honestly
0: i tried to shoot him uh my first time playing it through and that just took forever until someone was like, Why didn't you just throw a grenade in there? I was like, Oh, I didn't even think of that. It's like you need like three grenades and he's like out. But um that's probably another like one of my least favorite boss fights from that game. Really. Really what it comes down to is uh, for me, like I said, it's a Psycho Mantis fight and the Cyber Ninja. Uh, those boss fights I think are awesome. The Cyber Ninja um, it's Gray Fox, correct? Yep. Yeah, Gray Fox. Um, Frankie Jaeger. Frankie Jaeger, uh, what a guy! Um, his boss fight, I think, is super tedious, but I think it's tedious because it needs to be like.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be about wearing him down and burning him to. Yeah, and like I think you're both supposed to be, obs- at the time, as he puts it, ostensibly fighting each other to the death.
0: Um, what I like like about that whole thing is it's like i just said like like four times in a row fuck you i don't care um it being like oh like i'm you know the cyber ninja like we're going to fight to the death and snake is like super slow and he's like super quick he's teleporting all across like the room and it's like kind of along the lines of uh like the tortoise and the hare—it's kind of like a shitty analogy, but
1: yeah, you know, to an extent, being slow yeah,
0: and you know taking your time with it and not rushing into things. You know that boss fight's awesome. I like how there's different stages to it. Yeah, where actually, most I thought of the, it was a pretty good boss fight. Where most of the boss fights are like, this is the thing that takes this boss out. So keep doing that with Frank Jaeger, Gray Fox, Cyber Ninja, whatever you want to call them. It's. Okay, here's this. You've taken out a portion of his life here. Move on to the next stage.
1: You've done yeah. this. I like that a lot. It's a very good traditional boss battle in that way. Um
0: so there's Psychomantis or is the Cyber Ninja before Psychomantis? I should have had this like listed out, but regardless. So there's Psychomantis, the Cyber Ninja, there's the four soldiers on the elevator. Oh, I that, didn't which even is count way, this as a boss battle. way, too easy. Technically, it is a boss battle, but... Yeah. It's... That's way too easy. I mean, I understand what they were doing. They're setting up kind of a story element, but it's...
1: I feel like the boss battles or encounters in that game that don't work as well, they're really a result of um, them being overly ambitious with PS1 hardware. Like the Ocelot boss battle. I mean, a few of them, just the fact that you see analogs for the same bet fight... Turn up in Metal Gear Solid Three, show that they, like what they could have, how what they could have been with more advanced technology, more advanced mechanics. But because all they had was this top-down game where you can't even aim, and you're just sort of, like yeah. it's basically like a two-dimensional top-down. Well, it is a two-dimensional top-down game, aside from the fact that the graphics are polygonal, and it um really constrained their ideas, like what they could actually do.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um there's one more that just popped into my mind that I cannot think about. It. Oh, Sniper Wolf. Yeah. Uh, there's two Sniper Wolf battles. Um the second one is super hard. I yeah, always um, have a problem with it. That was That's- one
1: of the only ones, not to interrupt, but that I found really frustrating on harder difficulties. Because you would sometimes get into situations where you'd like get up from sniping and also especially because the sniping mechanics in that game were relatively irritating the way it automatically put you in prone at least in Metal Solid, yeah. 2 and 3 you could be standing or crouching it's
0: uh I think that uh that kind of goes along with like you have to play it with the mindset of the PlayStation 1 yeah. and but, if you um, went from like 2 or 3 and then played 1 yeah that's definitely irritating but um I always tend to stay in the same spot and then just kind of, like, use up that diazapan like, yeah. as, as much as I can. And, uh, just follow her around. That's the easiest way I can think of. But the second boss fight is so frustrating. And it's, like, it's hard to do that. And if you get hit once, you've completely lost her. And there's, I think there's, like, no chance of, like, yeah. coming back. Unless you have, like, all five rations.
1: It's still, I mean... It's still a really interesting boss fight, and very, to use the same word again, ambitious. Like, it's very cool that they tried that, and it worked reasonably well. Um, It's the type of game that actually is pretty, a few of the boss fights are, it's the only one I would call frustrating at times to play on Extreme, or just because... I've
0: never played on anything other than Normal for that game.
1: Yeah, and I almost wouldn't recommend going higher, because you don't really especially nowadays because it's not it's still enjoyable but it's not the most engaging you don't exactly play it for the mechanics you play it for the the experience Mm -hmm. so you don't want it to be overly challenging you kind of just want to get through it and take it in
0: um i think we kind of touched on this but like what are some of your favorite moments in the game, like, in the first game overall? Like, uh, it doesn't have to be, like, your favorite boss fight, or it could be something, it could be that, or it could be, like, a Kodak, your favorite easter egg. Hmm. Um, I can name mine yeah, right off the bat. Yeah, you first. Uh, this is definitely, like, an easter egg. I don't know if it's an easter egg, um, but it kind of falls into, um... I'm
1: sure it isn't the most found, but
0: my favorite like this is definitely my favorite fourth wall joke uh, and i'll ask you that later on unless this yeah. is like unless you have a fourth wall joke uh that you want to discuss but uh one of my favorite moments in the game was playing it and it's like talking to the colonel it's like hey i need meryl's codec code yeah i need her codec number it's like snake i believe her number's on the back of the cd case
1: he told me that and i still didn't get. i was like what cd case there's no i don't have a cd case in my inventory yeah and it's and like then, no like, the
0: actual physical days CD later case. after
1: scouring forums i realized he's talking
0: about the fucking the CD real case. cd case the game's case that is something that i love and that is uh that is a thing that i think puts you in the mindset of kojima yeah. he makes these games with metal gear solid it's almost like with every console that we get we're gonna get a great metal gear game and it's going to utilize
1: yeah that's one thing i want to touch on with the whole series like more than any other developer he like even puts to use the obscure elements of whatever console is using like the clock on the system (laughs) yeah or we can even talk about the fact that all of the PS1 and PS2 games used um, pressure-sensitive buttons so that you could... Like it made Amy feel almost more tactile because you had to actually like hold down square as if you were holding down a trigger and mm-hmm. release, etc. Um, vibration, they made great use of that.
0: Yeah, especially with Metal Gear Solid 1, there's a moment where, you know, Psycho Mantis says I'll move your controller across the floor. We just talked about that, and then there's the whole mailing telling you to put the controller on your arm and she'll heal you. Yeah. And the controller just
1: vibrates. It's, it's silly, but it's fun. Yeah, no, it's, it's super charming. silly,
0: but it like, I mean, it doesn't work anymore in a game. Like I yeah, think to me they do because at the like there's
1: more the novelty of it.
0: When something like that happens in Metal Gear. At, like in any of the Metal Gear games, I'm like, oh, like this is this is that Kojima charm. Yeah, he's utilizing the system and like what the system is all about. Um, so like something like that always like stands out to me as like some of my favorite moments. Just yeah, utilizing the system in general. I mean, we'll talk about like what they did in in the later games uh, once we get to them, but you know, like the whole memory card and like. Reading the memory card and the vibrating on the controller, because was that the first controller that had vibration in it? The PlayStation One controller? Because I know the N sixty four. I want to say
1: so, but I'm not. I know they released. Didn't they release a rumble pack for the N sixty four? Rumble pack for the N sixty four when after. Star
0: Fox sixty four came out.
1: I'm not sure, but I'd like to say that was after the PS one's rumble controller. Yeah,
0: I. That's a toss up because I don't. I don't know. We're both unsure yeah. of it. No idea, but, um,
1: really.
0: Just guessing there. Um, you know, just that in general. Like, whenever I see Kojima utilize the actual system, yeah. and, like, what the system can do, I'm always like, yes, there. that's that's what I want in a Metal Gear game. Um, like, as much as I want story and character, I cannot wait yeah, to find out. Yeah, I want out. to see the
1: ingenious ways that he puts, like, just the obscure, um, strengths of whatever console he's working on yeah. to use. Um...
0: So there's that um, was that your favorite moment?
1: I didn't get to my favorite oh, moment. Oh yeah 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 although to go be ahead. honest, I'm having a real tough time thinking of one. I think I'll give that a pass, honestly. Oh really? Because just um, because it's for one, I actually I remember the general game, but moment to moment I've forgotten a lot. Uh, I think Metal Gear Solid one's the one that I've played the most. I think at one I'm point, I played it a lot. Like but
0: four or five times. But I've never like think? jumped from any of the difficulty. Uh, speaking of which, I've beat the game four or five times and I have never gotten the true ending of the game. And that is something that I dislike about the game, that it actually has an alternate ending to it. Yeah. Um, where Meryl dies. Mer- yeah, it, Meryl dies. I have never in my life made it through that cutscene uh, where you're mashing the circle button really? with Ocelot. I don't know. There's a part of the game. Where Ocelot... Okay, well, here's my thing. I'm playing it on the PlayStation 2. I don't know if this is, like, a thing with the
1: PlayStation 2,
0: but whenever I save the game, it freezes. Oh, yeah,
1: you can't save it until after the... I mean, you can save it, but if you, um... Oh, God, I'm forgetting the specifics of this. But I know if you quit or anything, like, you'll start way back at your last save.
0: yeah. Well, like, I wouldn't mind that, but whenever I play the game on the PlayStation 2, for whatever reason, if I save, the game just, like, stops. It'll tell me that the game is saved, and then I can't, like, back out of that menu. I have to restart the system. Wow, really? Yeah, I don't know what it is. I have, like, the first model of the PlayStation 2, but I wouldn't... I don't know why that would affect anything. So, whenever I play the game, I am in for the long haul. I play it for, like big stretches of time so i don't save all that often especially because i know like the game pretty well so it's easy for me to just go in and take stuff out and then progress so once i get to that ocelot always tells me you haven't you haven't saved very often snake that was
1: shit even though that was sort of masochistic or extra punishing of him i thought that was ingenious too yeah. Okay, like, hey, you should have been saving the whole time, fucking idiot.
0: Yeah, that's that's something that I like about it too, because it like it reads how many times you've saved and yeah. it like, will tell you that you should be saving more often. And uh, that's yeah, that another like awesome fourth wall joke, like you haven't saved very often. Um, it's cool. It's another thing about Kojima utilizing the system.
1: Yeah. But and that um, was the first game with like dedicated memory card I mean the first console with dedicated memory cards. Yeah. Wasn't
0: it? uh the n64
1: i think it had like memory had, upgrades right but it didn't yeah have, it had like
0: you, some you, games didn't need you did memory have cards to have a memory card but most games you didn't yeah um i know the south park game for the n64 needed a memory card fun fact yeah if you just needed to know that um You're richer for it <laughs> so uh you have written down here that you want to talk about voice acting Um,
1: I really just wanted to say that having played all the games, I would say not only the voice acting, but the English localization and script is by far, I think, the best in the series. Really? Yes. Um, I think Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, and I say this loving Metal Gear Solid 2 and parts of the voice acting, but they both had overall pretty shoddy translations. Like there are some patches of dialogue that literally barely make sense in both those games, and especially Metal Gear Solid 3. Actually, I was just playing it yesterday, and David Hayter does a pretty good job. Whoever voices Major Zero does a pretty, he does a serviceable job. Paramedic does a great job. I actually was listening to conversations, Kodak conversations between Paramedic and Snake. Excellent, but especially the boss, and I mean yes the boss in Volgan oh, fucking awful <laughs> like there is a point i kid you not i just played this yesterday she says sokolov comes with me but she says it like as if they recorded two different lines sokolov comes with me like it's so jarring and i don't know how i didn't notice it like those games great overall like I can overlook it because I can I kind of can see where it's only a shoddy translation sort of muddling an otherwise to me solid script solid solid enough writing but both those games I think and I actually I know some about the I know a little bit about the um reasoning behind this um the guy who did the localization for Metal Gear Solid 1 he wasn't hired back on for Metal Gear solid 2 because Kojima even though I think Metal Gear Solid 1 had the best of the series.
0: Oh, Kojima didn't he like He didn't
1: like it. He thought, oh, like, I wanted this to be more literal, whereas you tried to, which was smart of the guy. I mean, you can't just translate Japanese to English literally. It's not, yeah, it, doesn't it doesn't work. it doesn't work like that. But Kojima, as far as it's, and this guy was actually on a podcast with um, some guys from Metal Gear Solid, the unofficial site, which is a forum I used to frequent, and he went into detail about it and just that, and also, he actually gave his opinion on the localization of the next two games, which he thought was pretty awful, because they did what Kojima wanted. They kind of, in many spots, just directly translated it, and it was really rough. Uh,
0: I mean, kind of, like, going off of this thought, like, it's, a. Uh, at the same time, I kind of have to give it to Kojima, because, like, I mean, the guy clearly knows like what he wants. Yeah, but I would for say for the p- most part, but I do understand where you're coming I think from that's with just like a the whole localization lost in translation and, mm-hmm. issue. Um Yeah, you know what's funny about the first game though? It like the voice actors names are changed in the credits because they thought this game was going to tank, like they didn't think it was yeah. going to do well. So those people didn't want their names on there. <laughs> so they like could still get a job afterwards. And what makes me laugh the most is most of those characters have returned to do yeah. their voices. Patrick
1: Zimmerman voices Oswat in every game he's in. David Hayter yeah. has
0: done Snake's voice for what, fifteen games now? Yeah. Um
1: Um What's her name? Who plays Naomi? Um Oh, I can't think of her name. She's in Mass Effect as well. She's a pretty um well-renowned voice actor
0: yeah uh, on top of that david Hayter is writing like screenplays he wrote the screenplay for the first two x-men i think movie, they all did pretty okay and from the sounds of it he wrote the screenplay for watchmen yeah he did that's like when i found pretty his cool twitter guy. page i didn't understand why like i was like oh he must just be a really big fan of like watchmen until i read his imdb page where it was like sp- main writer on <laughs> watchmen i was like oh, holy shit, shit. He ain't just I a fan. never
1: even realized that, um, but he that's the thing. Didn't he have a hand in the screenplay for X Men One and Two?
0: Yeah, I just said that. Okay. Yeah, um, I just think that's like funny that they're like, oh, you know, we don't want to like have our real names in there. Well, I guess technically you got... David Hayter's name is like actually in there.
1: Yeah, I guess you got to remember that um, voice acting was and still is to some extent in America not really. Well yeah. respected. It's kind of like this B tier acting position. I think if you can call it that. I think it's
0: moving up like a little bit, especially because animated movies are cranked out all the fucking time. Yes. But um, yeah, voice acting,
1: especially for video games. Just to speak to that again, though, like I will like, I didn't touch much on the voice acting. I actually talked more about the localization, yeah, uh, script, the writing. Um. They had some like. Whoever cast the voice actors in Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, overall, especially... I think they got, like, solid voices for the parts. I like, like, the character of their voices for most of them. But, especially the boss, actually. They have Lori Allen playing her. She's the chick. Oh, for three? Yeah.
0: Save it. We're talking about one here, Paul.
1: The only thing... I'm just talking about the voice... <laughs> I'm doing this to undercut how good the voice acting in Metal Gear Solid 1 is to me. Okay. Like, it's... like, It's punctuated with the right emotion at the right times like you can tell someone was directing all of those actors and at times it kind of is a little hammy and it is obviously a, um the localization was sort of handled as if it were just a traditional hollywood action movie but that really worked whereas with 2 and 3 like especially some parts i was just playing through in Metal Gear Solid 3 yesterday it really feels like with Lori Allen playing the boss, like someone just handed her the pa this the script and said read this. Like she's really bad. I
0: guess I'll have to think about that next time I play 3.
1: I think I think she's awful. She plays okay. um and also I can't forget that she plays the one of the the news lady in um Family Guy and oh, she doesn't really? change her voice at all in Murder 3. So it's really noticeable. I don't me. really.
0: i don't watch family guy enough to know that but that's kind of weird i yeah. mean go from one really awesome thing to
1: <laughs> yeah uh, well no i would agree- <laughs> i don't have any love for family guy other than that. I, I play devil's advocate a lot okay. so
0: well no no no. i just i think that's kind of like go from this tier to this she does tier. a really
1: I will say she's, regardless of what you think of Family Guy, she, like, is an actor in that show.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's, like, that's a huge show for a lot but of then, people, so. But then,
1: like, I don't know. Maybe if you play it again, maybe you'll have different thoughts. But she's, like, fucking awful in that game. Like, I feel, I, I don't even blame her because I have to imagine the, someone the just. The
0: opinion of Paul and Paul Only, not the opinion of Level Up Podcast.
1: I have to imagine someone <laughs> just handed her a script and said, "Read this," and she had no idea what was going on.
0: Okay, I'll think about that next time I play the that specific game. You
1: do that. So, what about one, Paul?
0: Um, <laughs> what about Metal Gear Solid One's voice acting?
1: As I said, just it sounds as though it was like they were being directed at every point. Oh, okay. It? Like it's just every line they say is punctuated with the right emotion, even if it's a little melodramatic, even if it.
0: Or if it's telling you to check the back of the CD case. Yeah, but they... Or telling you to you save can tell often. That they believe in <laughs> what
1: they're saying. Whereas Metal Gear Solid 3, so much, of it, so much of it sounds completely unsure. And I feel like that's definitely because they probably were unsure. Like, someone probably <laughs> just gave them the most vague context for everything they were yeah. reading. Um, Which isn't rare with video game voice acting, from what I hear. Like, it's especially at the time like 2004 it was not like
0: voice acting was definitely like 2004 oh you're talking about for uh three for three yeah uh i was thinking of like metal gear solid one the voice acting i think in a video game was was super new at the time i mean there was voice
1: acting of that quality that was at the up to that point probably the best voice acting i would say it may be a bit of a stretch to some people, but the best voice acting that had been in a video game at that point.
0: I think maybe, like, I think it still holds up to this day. Yeah, that's why. I... Um, That that game actually, like, you were talking about how it, like, was treated like an, like an American action movie, and they were, like, being directed. It's really funny because Metal Gear Solid 1, I think, was the first game to do opening credits in such a different way. Like, yeah. there's, like, sweeping shots, and there's, like, the... A Hideo Kojima game. Well, it treated
1: its cutscenes like, like cinematography, a movie.
0: and uh, you really didn't see that start to happen more until after Metal Gear Solid One yeah. came out. So before and, that, uh,
1: cutscenes were kind of like just these janky, poor versions of like maybe an animated kids show. Like at least that's how they were approached.
0: Yeah. I, well, I think 1998 video games were definitely like they were still like, hey, it's like is this an art form? Like, what is what
1: that was, <laughs> what yeah. are video games right now? I would now? say on the, in the PC space, there's a lot more um, going on in that area. Like, figuring out what video games could be more beyond just a, a fun little diversion. But definitely for consoles, Metal Gear Solid was, like, a breath of fresh air. Like, definitely. oh, wow. Um, and not that there hadn't been games before that approached those approached all of that yeah
0: sorry um so I think we briefly touched on this beforehand so what what systems do you have this game for like I have it for the PlayStation 1 and I have it for the GameCube because I have a copy of the Twin Snakes
1: um I have it for PlayStation 1 and I have it for PlayStation Network oh you do okay and I've played it on PSP after downloading it on PlayStation Network oh yeah I
0: didn't know you had a PSP
1: um yeah I do actually I still do I don't I forget that I do because I don't use it, and I think it's faulty in some way. I don't remember. Yeah, but.
0: I think the PSP and the PlayStation Vita is the best way to play I old PlayStation
1: 1 and 2 games. Yeah, that's the only thing I used it for after a certain <laughs> point, which is sad, but I just um, played Silent wanna- Hill 1 and Metal Gear Solid 1.
0: Yeah, especially since you don't want to pay like $40 for a copy of Silent Hill for the PlayStation 1. Yeah. That's insane how much that game goes for. You forward. can
1: get it on PlayStation Network, though, which is how, obviously, I played it on PS- yeah. uh, PSP for, like, $5, I think. Yeah,
0: or if you want a physical copy of it, you got to spend $40 for a used yeah. copy, which Not is worth it at all. Um, so, uh, if I mean, they all pretty much play the same way, but, like, if you had to, like, pick, like, what your favorite way to play was... Well, technically, you're playing it in different ways because you're playing it on the PSP yeah. and you're playing it on...
1: Um, I would definitely say, hands down, that game is best to play on a portable system because it makes the um, stripped-down mechanics, relatively speaking, compared to the other games in the series, a lot less notable, noticeable and easier to stomach. Like, when you're playing on a portable, you just expect less inherently. Okay. So it's just... It just works better. Like I can definitely it, see what you're Because it feels odd these days to play that game on a big TV like to devote that much to it. If that sounds right.
0: It's just a just a car horn. Doesn't matter. No big deal. <laughs> Continue. I'm not even gonna cut that out.
1: <laughs> oh no. Um Yeah, that's all I pretty much have oh, to say. Okay. It just works um, really great on PSP. I PSP, haven't played sure. it
0: on I haven't played the Twin Snakes yet, but uh, as of right now the only thing I can say is like the PlayStation one. That's my favorite way to play it. Um only because it's the only way that i have played it i actually did play it uh when i was living in ohio i played it on a like i think it was a 50 inch television really that was a, oh, it was probably 50, so
1: stretched out and... no
0: a 50 inch crt television so it wasn't stretched out everything like looked like really good Wow. <laughs> and crazy. uh it was awesome because you know how like that game is treated like it's an action movie and the whole like they keep it to that standard so just I don't know it looked really good like if you can play it on an old CRT TV uh, big or small I think that's the best way to play it but uh, thinking of it you know like playing it as like a portable game yeah that's actually
1: yeah. I, I mean, never even thought of that it works really well I, I imagine Metal Gear Solid 2 would probably be really fun to play I'd love to get a Vita in the HD collection. Yeah, definitely. I'm not gonna get a Vita, so fuck that. Yeah,
0: unless something like Unless they drop it to out. like
1: fifty bucks, wow. which they won't. No, because it's like a two hundred fifty dollars system. I know, but I'm saying that's what would get me to buy it.
0: Um, so uh, I kind of discussed my favorite fourth wall joke earlier, uh, as like my like some of my favorite moments. Um, do you have like any like fourth wall jokes that stand out to you? Uh. Like, the fourth wall jokes that are in the entire Metal Gear series are something, like, that I look forward to, like, when it comes to the games, just because it's, like, a break from something that they are taking so seriously to kind of, like, shoot a little joke at you.
1: I would say my favorite fourth wall breaking joke isn't from Metal Gear Solid 1, it's from Metal Gear Solid 2. Oh, well,
0: what's your favorite from Metal Gear Solid 1? Because we'll talk about each one from each Um, game.
1: I honestly have to go with, um, having to look at the back of the CD case. Okay. Um, At yeah, least d- that's the most memorable. Like, that blew my mind. It was like, he was... I thought... <laughs> like, yeah. you, you're you not trained at all to think of the characters talking about physical copy of the game. Something that so doesn't I was exist like, in I never their realm. Up, <laughs> like, I was so mad at the time. I was just like, I never picked up a CD case. I looked all through my inventory. I did everything. I'm like, what? Um... I think some of my other favorite ones, I don't even know if you want to call this a fourth wall
0: joke, but like uh when you meet Otakon and Otakon goes on about uh, anime. Yeah. He's like, Oh, my name is Otaku Convention. Otaku is someone who really likes anime. And then he gives you a spiel on what anime is and why he <laughs> likes it and they are showing like I think it's cutscenes from police knots.
1: Yep, yeah, from police knots. Um
0: just that like it just makes me laugh because it's it's kind of a
1: fourth wall breaking joke well it is because it's like advertising his other game yeah that never came out in america and the magazines everywhere those are ten, uh, on some level fourth wall breaking jokes yeah
0: uh, there's playstation magazines uh and, and um, the, the H- twin snakes there's the nintendo power there's
1: um magazines advertising Metal Gear Solid 4 oh really yeah like there's an egm i think even that, though uh, Metal Gear Solid Four had come
0: out, like yeah, but just way I guess before, that's kind of funny. To make it more
1: modern, they're just like, um, that's funny. I never noticed. Yeah, those. they changed some of that up. And actually, um, fun fact: they have, um, I think on Raiden's mask in the HD collection, they change on his um gas mask that he's wearing initially. They changed the text to say Metal Gear. I don't know if it says Metal Gear Two Sons of Liberty or Metal Gear Solid Two Sons of Liberty.
0: I think it says Metal Gear Solid 2.
1: Or I might might just say Metal Gear Solid Sons of Liberty. But I know, uh, because I just played it yesterday, the intro, um, snakes is rewritten to say in text, uh, Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater.
0: For whatever reason, my computer stopped recording the podcast from that moment. So basically what we said after that was that, you know, stay tuned. Uh, We're going to be doing other parts discussing Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, and 4, uh, Peace Walker, and hopefully getting into a little bit of a discussion on what we think is going to happen in Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh, We're very excited to see where Kojima is taking the series and what he's doing with it. Uh, If you're listening to this and you're really into the Metal Gear series, please let us know. Check us out on facebook.com slash leveluppodcast or check us out on leveluppodcast.tumblr.com you can download all of our other podcasts there uh, leave us a message send us some feedback we're always looking for constructive criticism um and stay tuned we've got a lot of things in the work we're looking to bring you more content whether it's podcast or video um yeah as always thank you for listening and good night